Welcome to TikTok, right? Not TikTok, your favorite probably app, Bill. But this is because <laughs> we're talking about chiropractic, right? Yes. And you, I know, have quite a lengthy history in chiropractic. I think around 60 years uh, since you graduated, right? Now, well, you- I actually, I graduated in 67 and started practice at the end of 67. Wow. So I've I've got 55 years under my belt. Well, to put that into perspective, I was born in 77. So uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had to tell me that make me feel really I old. Huh? Know. <laughs> hey, you know, but this is how we learn. Uh, it is. Just, That's know, why we're so. interviewing you. That's why you're the interviewee. And we're <laughs> <laughs> now Jacqueline, of course, is the publisher of the American Chiropractor magazine. And we're happy to have you here. I'm I'm a chiropractor as well. Graduated from National University of Health Sciences in 2006. Now, where did you graduate from then? Palmer 67. Palmer 67. So you yeah. you had a lot of instructors that were probably received, uh, you know, direct inspiration from the source. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Most of my instructors were actually disciples of BJ. They trained under BJ. And they were absolutely dedicated and brilliant. And they left an indelible imprint on me and got me started off on the right foot, uh, knowing what I was going to do and having a good idea of how I was going to do it. For instance, I'll just cite my first quarter philosophy instructor, Dr. Galen Price. Mm-hmm. He said two things that just have never left me. He said, as a chiropractor, you have a service to offer humanity that no other kind of doctor of any kind has to offer. Now, you got to let that one sink in, and you know that that's true. Mm -hmm. The other thing he said, don't ever let a patient out of your office until you are convinced that you have done the best that you can do for them that day. Well, that message has stuck with me and that's the way I practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from the very first visit with a patient, which is very extensive, we do a very extensive consultation, a very extensive examination, and then we make all of our adjustments and corrections in accordance with those findings. So everything is evidence-based mm-hmm. and uh, recorded in detail. My wife, Kiana, who uh, you know, is what we call my scribe. Well, she's actually a whole lot more than that. Uh, mm-hmm. As you know, we do a lot of writing and we're doing teaching. So she is actually my editor and in some cases, my co-author. Mm-hmm. So we work hand in hand together. But uh, everything we do, like I say, is evidence-based, recorded as such. Mm -hmm. And the thing that the patients really enjoy is the interactive nature of everything that we do, from the examination through uh, all of our adjusting procedures. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is the patient isn't just uh, lying there on the table getting adjusted. Mm-hmm. The, the way we actually conduct our procedures and our visits is uh, utilizing a lot of 
muscle testing, both pre and post correction. Mm -hmm. But then in addition, during the corrections, it is what we term as dynamic chiropractic in that utilizing the instruments, and this allows us an advantage that you really can't do with just regular adjusting. The mm -hmm. patient is in motion, mm -hmm. whether it be putting the spine through various range of motion, which it could be flexion, extension, or rotations mm -hmm. in conjunction with respiration, mm -hmm. or in extremity adjusting, where applying the instruments while we're putting the joints in motion. Now, there's something very exciting about this that uh, might not immediately uh, come to people's attention. Mm -hmm. But when we add motion to the correction, well, number one, what we're doing is we're not trying to use the instruments to jackhammer bones into place. Mm -hmm. We've gone beyond that. What we're actually doing is we are resetting or rebooting the mechanoceptors and we are sending a whole barrage of new information to the brain to act upon what we are doing. And mm -hmm. so if you think of it in this way, and th this is really, to me, it's tremendously exciting. If you think of regular single thrust static adjusting with the patient on the table, with whether it be side posture or anything else that you might think of as standard adjusting kind of procedures, Yes, the brain is registering that, but it's registering static adjusting as a snapshot. When we add the component of motion and the multiple thrusts that are available to us only by the use of the instruments, then what we are sending to the brain is actually a motion picture or a video. Mm -hmm. And the brain can imprint that and act upon it in a whole different manner. It's just like if you watch or if you look at a snapshot, the experience of that is very different than if you're watching a video. And so that's a real game changer. Mm -hmm. And so what we're always doing in our corrections is uh, through the actual afferent input to the brain is the brain can actually remap the body. And the brain actually maintains a three-dimensional or holographic image of what's going on in the body. So in the final product, mm -hmm. we are depending upon the brain through its mapping and then transferring that to uh, motor output. Mm -hmm. The brain is actually orchestrating and initiating the corrections. And that's a whole different ball of wax. To me, I think of it as this is true 21st century chiropractic, mm -hmm. whereas static adjusting still has its roots in, well, we'll just say mid 20th century <laughs> chiropractic technology. So mm -hmm. this is a real game changer. And the things that we see as a result of this Mm -hmm. And the ability of the body to accept and hold the adjustments 
comes on a whole improved level. And we see things that, you know, it, it continues to astonish me. So it's very, very exciting. No, it is very exciting. And the way you describe it is perfect. I mean, definitely the bone out of place model uh, that was maybe taught 55 years ago definitely has evolved. And, and how you're explaining it now is kind of another level. You're using these uh, instruments to do it. But uh, it's like from a two-dimensional approach to a three-dimensional approach. It's kind of like... Uh, clearing it can still work right of course those sure. methods of adjusting and they work for decades but now as we have better understanding it's like it almost becomes a training uh a, a facilitator of training the nervous system and educating it and feed forward uh, type programming so very very interesting now how do you facilitate this it sounds like you're using an instrument and uh are you taking it through range of motion or are you uh you know are they prone, supine? What kind of scenario? Okay, are they? we adjust in all of the above. Mm -hmm. uh, we adjust with the patient's seating. That's especially uh, done when we are getting into the thoracic spine and the cervicals. That is almost exclusively done uh, seated. Uh, there is some lumbar adjusting that's done seated. And yes, motion plays a role in that. Uh, the other thing is that uh, we do supine and prone, and it just depends upon what we're adjusting, whether it's uh, uh, blocking for the different categories, which say a category two is blocked in the supine position, whereas a category one, which is more of a craniosacral uh, subluxation, is done prone, the blocking is prone, mm -hmm. as is category three, which is uh, exclusively the uh, lumbar disc syndrome. Mm -hmm. So we utilize all these different procedures and motion plays a huge role in it. And uh, what's really exciting for the patient is that they are participants. So it creates a different uh, experience, and I'll actually have to say more of a sense of partnership with the doctor because they're participating. They're just not lying there as a, uh, a passive uh, recipient of an adjustment. They're mm -hmm. actually getting involved in it, and they get very excited about it. And when they can feel an immediate difference in strength before and after a procedure, mm -hmm. uh, which, okay, for instance, let's take a, uh, a femur head. We actually, when we test and find a weakness in the ability of a, uh, uh, the lumbar flexors and extenders, and there is a definite weakness and the patient can feel it. And usually it's a right to left comparison kind of thing. But then we do a corrective procedure and it goes from absolutely wipe out weak to strong as an ox. They go, wow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's such fun when we give the patient these wow experiences. Mm -hmm. And that really, really uh, uh, resonates with them. Uh, 
And just listening to you talk about it. I'm sitting here like sitting back waiting, ready for the investment. <laughs> but, you know, again, I've been in practice 55 years and I couldn't maintain a level of excitement and mm -hmm. enjoyment for what I do mm -hmm. if I were just doing the same old, same old razzle dazzle. But what we're doing is very exciting. And my practice is uh, in very large part, very difficult cases. Mm -hmm. In many cases, there are people who have long since given up on chiropractic mm -hmm. um, for multiple reasons of no results or uh, you know bad experiences mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, a lot of our patients have had multiple or at least one or two failed back surgeries. They have failed in their cases with physical therapy in just about every other modality you can think about. And so when we can take these patients in and number one, every patient that comes to us is strictly by referral. And mm -hmm. one of the selling points is, and I, I need to point this out, is that my patients do all my marketing for me. When mm -hmm. a patient calls and uh, you know they wanna have a, an appointment, they already know basically what we're about. And so I don't have to go through a whole spiel with them. Uh, what I do is have a conversation with them because I wanna know really about them and if they're going to, uh, uh, if I feel that I can genuinely help them. But uh, by the time they actually get to the office, we've made some degree of acquaintance. They're already comfortable with us. And in that first visit, like I said before, we're gonna have a very extensive consultation. They're gonna be very extensively examined. And then we're gonna go through uh, starting with the pelvis and uh, there are seven joints in the pelvis. Now, Joe, you've been around a long time too. And you've had a lot of experience through your acquaintance with a lot of chiropractors. But how often have you had anybody mention to you that we have to deal with seven joints in the pelvis. Well, of course, the pelvis is definitely a, a, an important fundamental component of the spine. So, but as far as dealing with seven joints, usually they're just talking about the lumbosacral or sacroiliac ligaments and, uh, you know, exactly right. Mutation, counter mutation. So, so. Bill was setting you up. About, <laughs> Bill was setting you up. I said, yeah. Bill was setting you okay, up. <laughs> so I watch the U.S. politicians. I know how to answer these questions. <laughs> yeah, the you're pretty good, never, actually. Never. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could go to uh, the Panamanian legislature or something. <laughs> I'm sure they'd love to have you. But at any rate, what we're dealing with is the, five, the two 5LS1 facets, the sacroiliacs, the hip joints, and the symphysis pubis. And these are all joints of totally different classification that require a different examining procedure to determine their function or lack thereof. And so once we have balanced the seven joints of the pelvis, only then have we established the firm foundation on which to build the rest of our corrections. Mm -hmm. If we have not balanced the pelvis, it's like a building 
with a shaky foundation. Uh -huh. Don't bother trying to level the upper story or fix the roof until you get that foundation uh -huh. leveled. That only makes structural sense, right? Uh -huh. Right. And that's really the way it works. But we've had to add something to that. Uh -huh. We still have the lower extremities on which the pelvis sets. So uh -huh. the foot, ankle, and knee. As you know, they're very susceptible to injury and dysfunction. So part and parcel of my examination is to factor that in and look at uh, how the feet are balanced. Is there a problem in the ankle joint? Now, let's just take that as a singular example. Many people are running around, figuratively speaking at least, <laughs> with old sprained, old sprained ankles that may go back decades and they are altering the stance and that can translate up into the knee joint mm -hmm. and causing uh, usually a combination of posterior translation of the tibia and fibula with, uh, in most cases, that will be accompanied by a bit of an external rotation. Well, if you think about the length of the leg, uh, the lower leg mm -hmm. articulating with the knee and then going up into the thigh, uh, the femur, there is a tremendous amount of leverage there that's going to work against those hip joints. Now, that brings me to really one of my, my favorite ways of describing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I think of what we're doing is functional biomechanics and functional neurology merged together because mm -hmm. we're, we're thinking about the biomechanics, but we're also thinking about the neurological implications of the biomechanics. So now what we're really talking about is function, um, excuse me, complex joint dysfunction of which the subluxation is part, certainly a major part. That's what we ultimately want to correct because of the neurological implications. But we cannot ignore the very, very uh, important role of the lower extremity as it affects the uh, pelvic balance. But then we can also not ignore the shoulder girdle as, and the rib cage as it's going to affect the cervical spine. So right there, we have a major source of uh, problems for our patients. And uh, one of the things that has really uh, caused a whole new, uh, we'll call it class of problem, is that everybody is on some sort of a computer, tablet, or phone, and spent, mm -hmm. the average adult is spending hours a day. Mm -hmm. And one of the end products of that is the anterior translation of the neck. So the neck being sometimes many inches forward of its proper balance point, adding tremendous amount of tension to the cord, putting the musculature under constant tension, therefore, uh, 
the tensions uh, that we feel and that the patients complain about in the shoulder girdle and with the shoulders rolled all the way forward, uh, again, talking in terms of both mechanics and neurology. So we have excess tension on the cord, tension on the nerve roots, right here in the subclavicular area with the shoulders rolled forward, we close off that space between the inferior of the clavicle and the first rib. And we can actually be putting a significant pressure on the uh, subclavian arteries and veins and the brachial plexus. So right there, we have a structural thing that is neurologically very important. And we're not even talking about the classic idea of a nerve being pinched at mm -hmm. the intervertebral foraminal level. Mm -hmm. Right. So th this is really important stuff for us to all understand and have the ability to relate to our patients because when we do what we do and we do it with a, a very concrete methodology. This translates to the patient as, boy, he knows what he's doing. And when we know that we know what we are doing, that, com uh, that competence builds competence, uh, confidence, I'm sorry. Confidence. Competence. You know what I'm saying? Confidence. Got it. Yeah. Competence builds confidence. Mm -hmm. And the patient picks up on that. So mm -hmm. they know they're in the right place. And then, uh, like I, I frequently say, I don't make any promises except, number one, I'm not going to hurt you. Number two, I'm not going to scare you. And number three, I want to fix you as quickly and as economically as possible because that's what I would want. Mm -hmm. And the patients love it. Good advice. Good advice. Now, you used to have some pretty high volume clinics. Now you're doing more specialty, I think, right? But yeah. Well, you know, when I was in the Hamptons, which I was for 30 years, mm -hmm. um, my maxed out day was 158. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I have the injuries to show for it. <laughs> so after 30 years, I had to sell that practice because I could no longer keep it up. I developed. Well, it's it's very, very uh, shocking when you're adjusting just a gal actually very similar in size to Jacqueline. When you know, we're not talking about Lady Godzilla here. And I wound <laughs> not, up on not the her floor. physical structure, stature. No, I'm just kidding. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> I wound up on the floor. Mm -hmm. Okay. So ultimately I had to quit practice. I went on disability for four years, but I would, I could not endure that. Mm -hmm. I had to get back into practice, but I had to reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. Now I talk about that in one of the articles uh, on how I resurrected my practice, which you published here a few years ago. And so I had to figure out a different way to practice because I was told by my own doctors, being my own chiropractor, um, a friend who is a neurosurgeon, another one who is an orthopedist. And he said, Bill, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to wind up in a wheelchair. 
And so we obviously didn't want that. And so that's <laughs> when I discovered the instruments. And you both are familiar with uh, mm -hmm. our mutual friend, Dr. Alan Creed, who I took my first training in instrument adjusting with. Sure, down and, in Miami, yeah. Yeah, and now he's actually retired and living in Columbia, so he's getting down there closer to, to your neck of the woods. Right, the weather's but, nice. You know, Alan was brilliant, and he spent a lot of extra time with me and Kiana because at that point, we were living in the Bahamas. I had no chiropractic care. I was trying to practice, but uh, I knew that if I just kept up with what I refer to as full contact chiropractic, mm -hmm. I was going to be in big trouble. And so once he introduced me to mm -hmm. instrument adjusting with the impact instruments, the vibrocussor and the arthrostim, mm -hmm. I was able to take that and apply it to my knowledge of Pedabon and SOT and Gonstead and CBP and all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, Actually, it was the result of uh, one of the interviews that I did for you with mm -hmm. Dr. Eugene Charles. Uh, he really introduced me to muscle testing uh, mm -hmm. or AK. Sure, and, Dr. Eugene Charles, famous, famous. I, yeah, he's tremendous. He, he yeah. is, uh, to me, one of the uh, contemporary mm -hmm. uh, uh, legends now. He's an incredible chiropractor. But prior to that, I was a little skeptical about AK because everything that I'd ever seen about it, mm -hmm. uh, they made it look like some sort of a, a Las Vegas lounge act. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Charles, uh, actually, I took his uh, 100-hour video course, which I highly recommend to anyone. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it was enormously helpful and I've been able to now incorporate a tremendous amount of muscle testing in my examination procedures and in my uh, visit to visit uh, evaluation of what's going on with the patient, where they're weak, where they're strong. And mm -hmm. so we only address what we can objectively verify. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it adds a level of precision to what we're doing, but also we have to think of it in terms of, we need to be able to justify everything we do from a medical legal standpoint. Mm -hmm. So if, for instance, someone, um, whoever were to challenge me, Dr. Koch, why did you do such and such a procedure? I can look in my records and say, okay, if I did this, here was my indicator for it. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that is very, very important. Knowing that I can do that helps me to sleep at night because mm -hmm. we live in a very litigious world. Maybe mm -hmm. you don't in Panama, but certainly in the States, we do. And uh, so we need to be able to justify what we do and why we do it. It's mm -hmm. scary. Now, Dr. Koch, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, you found this method of treating patients from your injury right so you know some people are getting worn out it's uh it's it's heavy work man being a chiropractor it is. is not an easy job so no it isn't and talk in a fact, little bit about that joe do you realize 
that chiropractors go out on disability at a rate comparable to professional football players. Wow. Now that's crazy. That is. And one of the things that attracts the doctors to my classes, and I'll, I'll point this out, mm -hmm. that the average doctor coming to our classes has been in practice 30 years. Like you said, it's heavy work and they hurt themselves. Chiropractors are actually, they should be, the poster children for repetitive motion injuries. By the time you've practiced 30 years, you have done untold thousands of side posture lumbar adjustments and all kinds of various adjustments mm -hmm. that require force on your part. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That reaction goes back into our bodies. And mm -hmm. this is why chiropractors get hurt. So you the doctors- 300 pounder patient, you know what I mean? Absolutely. They're they the ones that too, get me yeah. in, you know? And I used to uh, extensively use anterior thoracics against the wall. Oh, did you know that? Yeah. In addition to a lot of side posture work. And so these doctors, they love what they're doing. They're good at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They are very successful, but they are looking at the sustainability of their mm -hmm. practice, the way they are doing it and saying, hey, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And so when they find out about what we're doing and that mm -hmm. we're getting great results, but we are doing it without hurting ourselves, that we're utilizing mm -hmm. the technology with the instruments mm -hmm. that makes it very, very easy and non-stressful to us. Mm -hmm. The fringe benefit is we get great great uh -huh. results and on top of that the patients love it and then right. there's another aspect to it our referring patients mentioning to the people that they want to refer to us uh -huh. and so many people say oh but i can't stand the idea of the snap know. crackles and pops right uh -huh. and then That's the clincher is but he can adjust you without doing that Right. Well, then they say, oh, my gosh, sign me up. Mm -hmm. And then the patients love the experience of getting adjusted with the instruments and mm -hmm. the interactive aspect of it. And mm -hmm. so, as I say all the time, it's a win-win all the way around. Mm -hmm. It's good for the doctor. It's good for the patient. And actually, it's tremendous for the profession because... Uh, if you look at it just this way, what is one of the uh, derogatory comments that medics make about our practice? Well, you know, I guess it's okay to go to them, but don't let them crack your neck. And they mm -hmm. make that sound like, you know, or where they're breaking necks. Well, when we can say with authority that I can do great specific adjustments on your cervical spine on your neck and there is no snap crackle and pop and okay now what are you going to say to criticize me <laughs> mm -hmm. okay so wow. it's a big deal 
it's really a big deal. Bill, Bill, we're just about out of time. Jacqueline, did you have anything? Wow, I was going to say that you have to do because, you know, that's such a big part of it. I mean, the the snap crack on the pop, too. So that's I was going to ask when you're talking about this. First off, uh, two questions really quick. One, I was saying, so it sounds to me like that it's more low force rather than a high force adjustment. Is that what that you would say? Oh, I mean, yes, it's incredibly low force. I remember when I've gotten adjusted by Dr. Both of you guys at the trade shows, you and Dr. Creed always that I loved it, that it was kind of like a massage with a, and it was like, he was getting it all to move out of the place. And, you know, I remember you doing that with the hips and everything too. I had no idea what you were checking there. Yeah. The difference really is Jacqueline that we're not cranking bones into place, right. but we're working through the control system and the, the feed right. to the brain. And uh -huh. we're feeding the brain this information. And like I said earlier, the brain actually orchestrates right. the correction by right. and helps us to make the adjustments. Well, so and that so was my closing question. That was my closing question was going to be then because I was going to say, well, you know, for a chiropractor to go, usually they will make it sound like an instrument adjusting. He's like, oh, well, that's, but it sounds to me like you're saying that you're getting a better adjustment than you were with the snack where you were forcing it versus where you're coaxing it. Is that the difference? You know what? You, you, you hit the nail on the head that uh, sometimes when we are making manual adjustments, the body does not uh necessarily always interpret uh -huh. that as a friendly gesture right. <laughs> it's it, pretty aggressive <laughs> it, it can view it as just another form of assault right and I, i'm using that term you know sort of right. an extreme manner right. but the body welcomes these instrument okay. adjustments especially when they are light force it's the instruments deliver a very rapid fire force but it is not deep it's not hard and mm -hmm. I always say to the patients when I'm in the process of adjusting them, I say, mm -hmm. now, listen, if I go too hard, if this hurts, I want to know about it because it should not hurt. It's mm -hmm. better if it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And if I'm hurting you, I'm contributing to the problem. Mm -hmm. And in many, many cases, I'll say, how does that feel? Mm -hmm. Is my force too much? And they'll say, oh, no, keep going. It feels great. Well, that's a nice reaction, mm -hmm. you know? So people actually right. look forward to their visits. Yeah. And uh, what they really look forward to is how they feel afterward. And mm -hmm. I wish we had time. I, I could tell you stories that uh, are absolutely incredible. And some of the cases that we've had mm -hmm. actually in very recent uh, history, I'll, I'll just tell you really quickly about one and let you think about this one. Joe, what would you think about a patient who told you that he had been a professional jockey for 10 years and that during his professional career riding uh, racehorses, that he had had at least eight uh, traumatic brain injuries, including subdural hematomas and 42 broken bones? I think he underestimated the injuries he sustained, probably. Jesus. Yeah. Well, we had that very patient. And we had, and he had found out about me from a referral in Texas. He mm -hmm. was in Texas. He drove here to Florida to see me for a week. We saw him on a Tuesday, a Wednesday, and a Friday. And we sent him home feeling really, really good. At one point, that. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been in touch with him since. And uh, he's still feeling good. And when he starts feeling like he's going south, he's going to mm -hmm. drive back to Florida. Wow. Well, let me ask really quick, because I know we're wrapping things up. And uh, Dr. Joe, I know everybody's got patience and schedule. So I wanted to make sure and see if doctors want to learn this technique, how do they get, where do they go to find out about it? I know that you can read in all of the history. We got tons of articles by Dr. William Koch. We call him Bill. And the latest one is the chiropractic listings in the uh, February issue this year or this, you know, this very month. And so I wanted to check though, um, Bill, where, where do you recommend people to go to learn more about this? Well, technique? they can give it, they can call us directly. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you like that phone number? Yes. We're on pins and needles. Yeah, it's area code 352-729-2678. Uh -huh. And that number actually goes back to, that's our home. And uh, also mm -hmm. it rings through on both my and Kiana's cell. So you can always get a hold of us. Mm -hmm. And I love to talk to the doctors so that we make sure that... Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be a good fit because we only take six doctors in our classes and okay. they are see it, feel it and do it. Okay. So it's a ve they're very interactive. It's they're not lecture classes. They mm -hmm. get some hands on and each doctor is actually examined mm -hmm. and corrected by me. And this is one of the attractions that mm -hmm. so many of them come admittedly as train wrecks and they want to get fixed along with learning <laughs> the techniques. <laughs> So that's 352-729-2678? That's it. Okay. And, uh, well, I was going to say, so does it sound to me like uh, you had to learn it late in life? Would you have preferred if you'd kind of known about this manner of adjusting earlier on before? Oh, my gosh, yes. It would have <laughs> changed my life. And I wouldn't, uh, you know, I still have to live with a bit of pain every day mm -hmm. uh, from old injuries. You know, they just don't go away. Uh -huh. But uh, uh, thankfully, I'm able to continue working because this is where I get my kicks. Great. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Koch. We love always seeing you at the shows. We love getting all the, the way you pass on the information so that, uh, you know, the younger doctors, we don't have to go through the same problems you do. Or they yeah, don't. I want to shorten their learning curve. Yeah, most definitely. Well, thank you so much. You're always welcome to keep contributing. Thank you, everyone. Keep listening. Thank you so much, Jackie. Enjoyed this. Hey, thank you so much, everyone. Okay. Thanks so much. Take care for listening and back to work. And nice to see you, Bill. I'm out of here, but uh, I look forward Bye. to catching up in Florida, okay? <laughs> thank you so much, Joe. Appreciate it.